Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, the second hour is here. Outkick 360 rolls on from Music City and across the vast Outkick network. We say hello to you. Glad you're with us. And we will have Clay Travis a bit later in today's show. We will hit the NFL headlines with the playoff scenarios and take a look at the playoff picture as it sits currently. But the headline across the NFL remains with DeMar Hamlin, the Bills safety who suffered cardiac arrest on the field in Monday night's football game in Cincinnati. And with more perspective on that, we're going to the expert. Dr. Jay Montgomery joins us. He's a cardiac uh, electrophysiologist, also professor of medicine at Vanderbilt University. And he joins us now on Outkick 360. Doctor, thank you for the time. Thanks for having me. So let's start with this. Um, you've seen video of what happened, and we're telling any medical expert we talk to, obviously you're not there to, to treat the patient, but just watching uh, from the outside, an insider watching from the outside, you've seen things like this before, and I'm sure that you have an opinion on some possibilities of what could have happened in this incident with DeMar Hamlin. What are some of those possibilities, Doctor? Sure. So anytime an athlete has an arrest um, during practice, during a game, um, and when I say an arrest, what I mean is suddenly the heart rhythm becomes abnormal. The heart is quivering instead of beating in a, in a you know, organized fashion. Um, the result of that is that you really don't have blood pressure to your head. You pass out and it can be fatal, obviously. So anytime there's an arrest during activity, uh, you know, like sports, there's a few different possibilities. Um, you know, one is that it could be the result of what we would commonly cause, call a heart attack or a myocardial infarction. So that really means that there's a blocked artery to the heart. Um, so, you know, one of the arteries that supplies blood to the heart muscle, it gets blocked. That part of the muscle um, isn't, uh, you know, isn't getting that blood flow. It starts to um, undergo injury. In that setting, you can then have a cardiac arrest. The two things are not the same thing, but that can lead to an arrest. That's relatively uncommon in young athletes, though it is possible, especially if the arteries take an abnormal course, you know, abnormal path through the heart, and that would be something that you'd be born with. Um, it's a much more common cause of an arrest in an older person. In an athlete, the most common thing would be hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, which is a genetic problem. Uh, it's how it's what Reggie Lewis died of, among any, many other athletes that have more recently often been resuscitated from an arrest. But um, and so that is certainly possible here. And there's other genetic rhythm problems as well that can cause arrests. What makes DeMar's uh, episode a little bit different was that he wasn't sort of just running down the field, um, as we all have seen. Um, there was an impact, I think, with uh, T. Higgins shoulder hit him generally in the center of the chest, maybe left side of the chest, which brings up actually a less common of cardiac, a less common cause of cardiac arrest, um, something called commodial cortis. Um, 
there's definitely no guarantee that that's what caused this, but this is consistent with that. Um, just in the way he got hit, um, in this, you know, when someone has commodio cortis, two things have to happen. You have to have an impact right over the heart. Um, and it has to happen at just the wrong time during the heartbeat. Um, it's a very narrow little window during each heartbeat when the heart can be hit um, in order to cause this. And that research was done in Boston about 15 or 20 years ago, um, kind of showing how that happens when that window is. And then that, you know, if you get hit just wrong, you go from normal rhythm to cardiac arrest. The heart's just doing this, no blood pressure, you pass out. And, you know, if somebody doesn't do something, you know, that's that's a fatal problem. And Damar Hamlin, 24 years old, when you talk about commodio cortis, is this something that happens typically younger people, older people? Where do you see this? And just how uncommon is this? Obviously, we've never really seen anything like this watching a football game live happen. So it has to be pretty rare. It's very rare. It is uh, it is even more rare in adults than in children. Um, presumably, if Damar was 48, it would actually be even less likely, assuming that's what this is, than if he were 24. Um, the thought is that uh, the chest wall has to be soft um, and compliant. The, that, and by that, I mean the ribs have to sort of be able to be compressed. And the older we get, sort of the more uh, the more bony our ribs get, the less they sort of get squished easily by impact. Um, commodio cortis is very uncommon in general. Um, it is definitely more common in 10-year-olds than it is in 24-year-olds. But still, you know, th- these are um, rare events that many people, you know, go their whole careers and never see um, at all. I've taken care of one patient who had commodio cortis. It was actually a 22 year old. Um, I'm an adult cardiologist, so of course I wouldn't have seen the children, but, um, and that was actually an impact from a lacrosse ball that got run over by a huge lawnmower and happened to hit him in the chest just wrong, similar thing. Thankfully that had a good outcome. So can you walk us through the research for this? You mentioned it, it took place in Boston. Uh, I, I hear a story like this and I'm thinking how, the, the medical community just amazes me that you can come up with explanations for things like this that I would never even think as a possibility for, for an incident like this. What, what went into the research to discover causes of this, this condition? Well, I'm uh, somewhat sorry to say the research for this is basically there were anesthetized uh, you know, swine, pigs, um, that were sort of held in place and they were hit with uh, baseballs at various timing and various uh, velocity. And so that is how we know what we know about commodio cortis. In in the research showed that you could stop the heart if hit at the exact right time. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And if it was at the right velocity um, and timed just right with the heartbeat, and of course with, you know, an EKG, like an electrocardiogram, they can, you know, they can set it up to time it a little earlier, a little later. And they, you know, kept doing different versions to figure out at this velocity um, with this timing, you know, what happens. And they figured out that with the right timing and with the right velocity, which I think the velocity was in the 40 mile per hour range for a baseball. But I mean, these were like 45 pound pigs um, that that was sort of the sweet spot. Dr. Jay Montgomery, our guest, cardiac electrophysiologist and a uh, professor of medicine at Vanderbilt University. Doctor, there's a lot of discussion about the, the safety of football, the safety of the sport now. 
Uh, and there has been. There are plenty of other things to point to as far as safety is concerned and the focus. But in terms of this, listening to you, like uh, a guy mowing his lawn and it hits, you know, a lacrosse hits someone in the chest or your baseball, I'm assuming, can cause this as well or a car accident. Uh, in terms of the sport itself, um, this was, well, I mean, we've never seen anything like this, but this can happen in everyday walk of life, uh, not just a contact sport. Yeah, it actually is much more likely in sports, um, though. Uh, you know, the most likely scenarios would be uh, lacrosse, I think, is number one. Baseball, less likely uh, with sports with bigger, uh, larger things impacting you. You know, the smaller sort of heavy uh, projectiles seem to be what cause it. How, you know, however, um, it's, it's rare in any sport. In lacrosse, um, I think, I'm not a lacrosse expert, but I think it's fairly common for lacrosse players to actually have a chest shield. Mm -hmm. um, and I think some people do that for baseball, not anybody that I know personally, but um, for this reason. Um, but it's a very rare thing. You know, if we wanted to talk about safety of football, this is not on the top 10 concerns. Um you know, if, if you were trying to say, you know, what are the things we can do to keep people safe who are playing football? This this is not something that um, across large populations is going to be the the biggest, you know, the biggest risk to somebody playing football. I, I guess, to, and hearing the know, description home. of it. Yes. And hearing the description of it. I, I, are you surprised that it doesn't happen in football the most given the I mean, this was a very routine play. You know, and, and for us to see this, we're like, what is going on here? You know, we we didn't know this could occur in this way in the middle of a game. Yeah, I you know, I think part of it is maybe just that uh, there, there might be a lot of reasons for it. Part of it, I think, is that the, um, at least with the pig research, the velocity um, of, you know, 45 miles per hour, and that's for small pigs, mm -hmm. Um you know, nothing is traveling that fast in football, actually, you know, a, one person hitting another at full speed is only going to be 40 miles an hour. But I mean, it's going to be very uncommon um, to get hit right in the chest. And I mean, for adults, I suspect that the optimal velocity would be higher, though that research has not been done. That was part of what we were seeing with the, I, I wrote up a report about the, the, you know, 22 year old that we saw that this lacrosse ball was probably you know, going for a variety of reasons, we think about 200 miles an hour. Um, and, you know, that doesn't happen in football. Um, and, uh, you, know, you know, even if the football is thrown, of course, it could be going 50, 60 miles an hour. But I mean, it's soft, right? Mm -hmm. So the football itself isn't going to cause that type of impact. Um, the, also, you know, if you get hit by somebody's shoulder, um, it's bigger. Um, it's just impacts a much larger area. And maybe that's protective compared to uh, compared to a lacrosse ball or baseball where, you know, the ball may be this big, but the area of impact is probably quite a bit smaller than that. So I think that's probably a lot of the reason we don't see it, um, the velocity and then the size of the, the actual footprint of the impact itself. And you've got obviously some experience with this with the 22-year-old that, that you've referenced with the lacrosse ball. Uh, what is protocol when treating a patient like this? I think a lot of people just saw not knowing, oh, he's intubated. That must be a bad sign, but that's not necessarily the case. There's some reports coming yeah. out from the family that while they can't get into details, there's been some encouraging signs. We're now, you know, 36 hours, getting close to 48 hours away from the, the injury. Uh, 
Walk us through what the process would be like after an injury like this and where we could be in the process right now, if you could. Sure. Um, So if somebody has a primary arrhythmia, which I'm assuming that this is, but I do not know that, then that means that the first problem that he had was that he had a cardiac arrest, not that he had a heart attack, didn't have a blocked artery. It didn't start out with, you know, poor blood flow to a part of his heart. The first thing that happened was his heart started quivering, um, a cardiac arrest. You know, the number one thing that we want to happen is chest compressions, hands-only CPR, um, followed by a, a shock, a defibrillation by an AED at a professional sports event. At a high school sports event, there should be an AED. That is number one. That is a, that's what we want to happen first as soon as possible. Um, and, you know, I don't know the exact details of what they did for, for DeMar because there was, you know, the, the team surrounded him and stuff. So they did all of those things, exactly what order and all that stuff, I can't tell. Um, now, um, the once a patient is uh, resuscitated with an AED, um, some of the time, if it happens very quickly, they may just may, they may wake up, you know, literally on the field, wake up in that case you wouldn't end up with a breathing tube. Most of the time, the patient has been, the person at that point has been down long enough that they're not going to immediately wake up. um, And they would put a breathing tube in probably before they put him in the ambulance, most likely. How many? If they think, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Please finish. This is fascinating based on uh, the details of of the process. Yeah. So um, if they think that he was down, for several minutes, meaning without a pulse for several minutes, which is my understanding in this scenario, um, then they might elect to sort of do what we call targeted temperature management, um, where they sort of try to prevent his body temperature from going up with special things. um, Because there's some evidence, there's conflicting evidence um, that that protects the brain after an arrest like this. Um, and so there's a, you know, there's some chance that in a scenario like this, maybe not this scenario, I don't know, they may elect to keep him sedated so that they can control the body temperature and have everything sort of controlled. In that scenario, leaving the breathing tube in is something that's done as a choice. Um, you leave it in because you're sedating him, because you're trying to control these other things. Um, and so you know, it may be that the reason that he's still unconscious and with a breathing tube is because the treatment team thinks that's the best way um, to give him the best chance for a full recovery. Um, in the process of all this, sometimes people can have other things that happen. So that might be, you know, uh, liquids from the stomach can sort of regurgitate and end up in the lungs, unfortunately. That can cause lung problems. Um, sometimes in all of the different things that happen, people can end up with infections and stuff like that. These are the types of speed bumps that people sometimes encounter when they have something like this happen, something that is not the original problem, but, but something that follows from it. Um, and certainly not just with DeMar, but with anyone that's uh, gone through this process, what are things doctor that you would be looking for as the next step of recovery, the next solid and encouraging sign that things are going well? Yeah, I mean, there's basically two things here. One is um, that the organs from the neck down um, tolerated all this okay. And so that includes the lungs, which I know he's had, I heard at least that he was on an elevated, uh, you know, 
elevated level of oxygen, then they brought it down. Um, that's good. Um, you know, ideally he wouldn't have required a high level of oxygen at all, but it sounds like he did at least briefly. Um, but hopefully all of those organs are working okay, kidneys, et cetera. Sometimes they can sort of take some hits from this, but in a young, healthy person, usually that stuff bounces back okay. And then the second thing is, um, you know, the neurologic uh, recovery after an arrest like this. So when someone is down for a period of minutes, um, if they've got chest compressions, if they get shocked by a defibrillator, um, you know, what we're hoping then is that the brain was getting enough oxygen through that process um, that there's not any sort of long-term damage to the brain. Um, often in these scenarios, if somebody has an arrest that's witnessed, which this one was witnessed by as many people as maybe ever in history, um, and uh, someone gets there with a defibrillator with the AED, they often make a full recovery. Um, but there's all these different types of speed bumps that can happen that can make that, you know, uh, more or less likely. With your 22-year-old patient that got hit by the lacrosse ball at 200 miles per hour from the, the lawnmower, was there someone there to witness the incident? Uh, do you know how many minutes the patient was without oxygen? And what level of recovery did that patient make? Yeah, so um, it was witnessed. Uh, I believe a kind of a distant family member witnessed it, called 911, I, and they did, uh, you know, he did chest compressions until um, the ambulance got there. The ambulance got there, shocked him. Um, I think that was probably 15 minutes. Um, that's sort of a pretty standard amount of time. I mean, an ambulance is not going to show up in 30 seconds for sure. Um, and, uh, you know, as far, as far as I know, he made a completely full recovery. But uh, Dr. Jay Montgomery you know. has been our guest with great perspective here. Doctor, thank you so much for the time and uh, the great insight with this and, and what is a, a headline that many of us are talking about but have no clue what goes on behind the scenes with a, with a situation like this. So we appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank Thanks you so lot. much. Appreciate it. You can follow Matt J. Montgomery 44 for more info on uh, anything you may need. Assistant Professor of Medicine specializing in arrhythmia and electrophysiology at Vanderbilt University. Uh, coming up, we'll take a look at the NFL playoff picture. We will also discuss uh, Gio Reyna uh, from the U.S. men's national team, whose father, Claudio, uh, reportedly was attempting to blackmail the coach for the U.S. men's national team, Greg Burkhalter. And the details behind that tie in with Gio's mother. Crazy story we'll dive into next when Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. Clay Travis joins us in a little under an hour. Looking forward to that chat as we broadcast from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Uh, Gio Reyna, the, at the US, uh, for the World Cup U.S. men's national team, um, after the tournament, 
Greg Berhalter essentially broke the news that the explanation for him not playing against Wales and uh, barely uh, against England was poor effort and attitude on Reina's part. And that's where the story really starts with all of this. You can read this at outkick.com. Well, and essentially told, you know, his role wasn't going to be what he thought. And then Reina, the younger Reina, started to dog it in training uh, in Cutter and around it and became a real distraction to the team where he had to stand up and apologize to the team. So Danielle Reina, who was his mom and has a longtime connection to Greg Berhalter, the coach, all from Jersey, Claudio Reyna, his father, played together on past U.S. men's national teams, basically says it's unfair that Greg Berhalter is continuing to drag my son through the mud because he spoke at a sports convention. By the way, a convention that was supposed to be off the record and not reported on, that there was a reporter there who reported on it. He never mentioned Gio Reyna by name, but said, told stories about what clearly everyone knew was Gio Reyna. When those reports came out, mom was pissed. Mom decides, I know way more about what this guy did at Gio's age that's worse than what Gio did, and I'm going to expose that now. This is small-town politics mm-hmm. at its worst. This is what happens on a high school football team in middle-of-nowhere Texas with parents who grew up together and the, now the, the older person's the coach, and I'm going to expose the coach because they're not playing my son. This is supposed to be the U.S. men's national team. And this is small-town politics taking over. Here's what should happen. Gio Reyna should not be allowed to play for the U.S. because he quit on the United States of America and this team because he was pouting. I don't care how old he is. If he's old enough to kick a soccer ball hard enough to be elected a member of the U.S. freaking men's national team, he's old enough to know not to quit. He knows what he did was wrong. And now the fact that this is happening after the fact, ridiculous. Ban this guy and his family from the U.S. men's national team. I don't care how talented he is. I don't care how good he is. I don't care what the implications are internationally on some German club. I'm I'm not German. I don't care. I'm American. He quit on America. He quit on the U.S. men's national team. And now his parents are blackmailing the coach because they didn't like that he wasn't playing as much as they thought he should be playing. It's absurd, this entire story. And uh, reportedly, I believe that the national team says that they first learned about this on December 11th, right? Yes. So, and that comes on the tail of everything that was going on. they, They ratted on Greg Berhalter because they've known him most of his life. And the incident is that he talked about now was that he kicked his future wife in a domestic violence incident before they were married. They were 18 years old. They've now been married for 28 years, I think, was the number. I need to look that up to make sure. They've been married a long time since then. Uh, To our knowledge, nothing has happened since. I'm not apologizing for kicking a woman. I mean, clearly what he did was wrong, and it's shameful, and it's going to reflect on Burhalter now moving forward. I'm just outraged at the kid quit because he was pouting, and instead of just doing what you're supposed to do on a team – and sucking it up and going to practice and trying to help your teammates get better to win on the world stage, he became a distraction to the team, and it's self-sabotage. He self-sabotaged himself, which sabotaged the yeah. team. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that they're going to beat you know Netherlands in advance 
if he's being a good little teammate the whole time, but it certainly didn't help. And then the parents got angry and decided, okay, I'm going to turn rat now on the head coach of the U.S. men's national team because I've got dirt on this guy. None of that is right. No. And, and, no well, one and, looks and good in any of this. She's admitted to doing it as well. Uh, yeah, you're right. It's small-town politics at its worst. It's, it's, it reads like a story uh, that comes from a more passionate soccer nation with less resources than the United States. I'm trying to think of the, the right way to say this. This sounds like something that's going to come from some South American country that's soccer crazed, uh, that you have some story that's there's a lot of glad handing and nepotism involved, and then someone's mad over something, so they tell a bad story about that person from 20 years ago yeah. to try to get them out of their job, and it just it, it's small time. It's small time for something that should be big time. That's what annoys me about this whole story. Chad, we head into the uh, NFL playoff picture right now and what was what is the final week of the NFL season as we sit here today. Um, there's plenty of questions in the AFC, and it's because of the path for the Chiefs to get the first round by. So right now, the Bills, by losing one game, the Chiefs can take the top seat by beating out the Las Vegas Raiders on Saturday. Okay, that's the simple path for the Chiefs to get the number one. So Chiefs beat Raiders. Yep. They're number one. Yep. Okay. No, if the Bills lose. If the Bills lose. Gotcha. Now, if the Bengals, if they would have beat the Bills, they would need to beat the Ravens next week to have the Chiefs lose to Vegas to get the number one seed. Does that make sense? They need the Chiefs to lose, and they also need the Bills in the head-to-head matchup to lose. To lose to the Patriots. So to the Bengals. So we don't know that result, clearly. Yeah, I don't think that result's going to happen, um, personally. So the Bills and Chiefs, of course, they've won their respective divisions. We'll see the Bengals and Ravens play for it for the North this week. But this will this, there's a chance where this is still up for grabs with not knowing the head-to-head matchup between the Bills and Bengals. And the question would be, and I think they're trying to decide this. How do you determine the tiebreakers for a no contest versus a tie? The tie would benefit, I believe, Kansas City. Um, and a no contest, based on what I've been trying to find, there's no technical tiebreaker for two teams that go into a no contest and how you determine it, other than I, I, I would just assume it's based on the normal tiebreaker scenario. Conference record, then you go to common opponent, different things. But... By not playing it, and the fact that the bylaws are the bylaws, and you have to get everyone to agree to it, it's not like you can just change it in the midseason. Uh, this we, we haven't seen the tiebreaker scenario changed in midseason. Uh, I'm curious about how they handle this, because that on one thought you just come up with a new set of guidelines and everyone agrees to it, and you don't play this game. There are many that are saying you play the week 19 game, quote unquote between the Bills and the Bengals. But by doing so, again, there would be no other games that weekend. By doing so, you're potentially having two teams, the number one seeds, off for 21 days. Could be Kansas City. And it's most likely Philadelphia. But it doesn't necessarily have to be. It could be Dallas. could be San Francisco. So I, I don't know how they'll handle the competitive aspect of this. There's no way to pull this off without 
screwing over someone. Someone, right. So, I, I as as hard as it is to admit, I think the simplest conclusion is that game's just not going to be played. And then you let the dice fall. These are playoff teams regardless. You just say, yeah, you know, you're losing a home game or you're losing a seed line or this is going to happen. But this is the easiest way to do it to keep our schedule and keep things going right up until that one week off before the Super Bowl. And like you said, not have a team sit for 21 days, not have all these other issues, not have a weekend where it's one football game all weekend and then pushing everything right back up until the week of the Super Bowl. I just think that's the e- – there's no simple, easy solution that everyone – it's going to be fair for everyone involved and it's going to be fine. There's none of that in this situation. So to me, the most likely outcome, Hutton, is you do what affects the least amount of people involved, and that's just canceling this game altogether and then rolling with the playoffs. I mean, and after battling for the number one seed, it just absolutely sucks for the Bills, for that home field advantage, right? But the So uh, I, I saw it somewhere. The, the, the compromise that was floated out was if the Chiefs end up with the number one seed and you don't play this game, the compromise would be if it's Chiefs, Bills, in the AFC Championship game, you would play that on a neutral side. Now, you would need the Chiefs on board with that, which I don't know how that would go about. But, but Chad, the... the that, would, other, that would be a good compromise. But you'd also have to be able to have tickets sold for the AFC Championship game. 50-50. Well, no, I mean, like, the other championship game, if the Bills lose, you're playing that game at Arrowhead. So you've got to sell that out and then refund that. Like, how do you go about it's a it is a headache, a total headache. Well, but again, and I'll go back. You're you're right. There's no there's no Tylenol for this headache, right? There's no right. just one simple solution. It's fair for everyone. We're gonna have the same January February schedule that we all love for the playoffs, and it's gonna be simple. There's no easy out with this situation. So doesn't it feel like the most likely decision yeah. by the league? is to make the decision that affects the least amount of people. Yeah, yes. Which that is, game is canceled. And you're going to have week 18, and then you're going to have the wild card round the following week, and you roll right through the playoffs as normal, and you just let the, the, the record stand what, what it is with the canceled game, and you seed teams from that point on. I think that's where we're headed. Um, I also wouldn't want to be the owner that gets... I wouldn't want to be the owner that gets stepped on in this. Only because you're then put in a very uncomfortable spot to be the one to raise your hand and say, hey, yeah. this isn't fair for me. And then the natural response is, well, it's not fair for DeMar Hamlin or the league or the Buffalo Bills that they're dealing with this so tough, you have to deal with it. It's almost like you just have to eat your vegetables if you're the team that gets, gets screwed over I'd, in this situation. I'd love situation. to have like a uh, – you have the locker room cameras. I'd love the cameras inside the meeting room of how they're going to determine this. Yeah, and I think if, if again, if you're just the team that's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the one now that it's not fair for, if you're the owner, you almost just have to suck it up and say, well, that's life. And we got to deal with this. No one was expecting this scenario. No one was expecting this, and this is what we're going to have to deal with. Here but it's, the- it's very, it's, it's fascinating to think about the inner workings of it with the league with the teams that will be in the playoffs and what discussions may be being had right now, for all we know, yeah, with uh, all these sides. Bengals and Ravens currently, uh, that's the matchup in the postseason. That could also, I mean, they play this week. So you've got uh, the, the six 
uh, taking on the three right now and 11 and four, 10 and six, but you could have a rematch a week from now, potentially, uh, in the uh, wild card playoffs. Meanwhile, the Jags and Titans play for the AFC South. As of today, they would host the Chargers. Patriots, they win and they get to the postseason at nine and eight. But they've got to win. Which we all but buried them after that decision-making at the end of the Raiders game. Yeah. Uh, solid job, both by uh, Belichick and Tomlin with their rosters this year. There's a path for Pittsburgh to get in, believe it or not. Never count out Mike Tomlin and that organization. There's a path. Ever. There's a path for Jacksonville to get that seven spot if they lose to the Titans. There's a path where both the Titans and the Jags are in the playoffs. Yes. If they I was lo- reading a wild yeah, scenario where that could got, happen. If they lose to the Titans. The Titans can't get in if they lose. Yeah. Titans win, though, and then two or three other things happen, and the Jags could get in also. Yeah. Uh, and here's the uh, look at the NFC postseason picture. Right now, the Eagles have the first-round bye, but Dallas could win it. Dallas could get the first-round bye this week. Uh, they, they can win the division, first and foremost, by winning and Philadelphia losing. Talk is Jalen Hurts is coming back. Uh We'll continue to update the injury reports throughout the week. Seahawks right now are in, uh, but there is uh, plenty of scenarios for the seventh seed in the NFC, including Green Bay, which will be Sunday night football. Um, Of course, we've got the Vikings and 49ers logos uh, flip-flop there. We recognize that as we look at it. Uh, But San Francisco, uh, to me, is one of the top two teams in the NFC, and... I think it's Philly or San Fran that I would bank on out of this group. Oh, and Philly with Jalen Hurts coming back. Yeah. Philly with Gardner Minshew isn't the same. <laughs> no, Regardless of speculation about yeah. I mean, Jalen Hurts obviously makes a big difference with that offense. Yeah. And oh, meanwhile, Brock Purdy down double digits last week. Pulls them back, gets them to overtime. An, wins an the incredible game. story. Also an incredible story, Jalen Hurts, which reminds me there's a story up at outkick.com. I highly recommend you read uh, Chris Sims and Davey. If we can find this video, I'd love to play it at some point. The problem is there's so many curse words in it that have to be bleeped out. Yeah. But Chris Sims on his show, I guess on his pro football talk show or one he's of his got, podcasts. Yeah, he's got the podcast. It was like a video show where it looks like they're in the lobby of a business office. I guess it's like the maybe headquarters of uh, I, I don't know of PFF maybe is where they are where they do the show. But he goes off on SportsCenter and ESPN for continuing to play his quote that the Eagles wouldn't take a big step back without Jalen Hurts and Gardner Minshew coming in. I guess he said it on Football Night in America. And, I mean, he just says, you know, and also randomly in the middle of an answer to a question about it, you know, everyone at that network can bleep right off, all of you, and stop playing my quote and making money off of it and trying to make me look bad with my quote about it. And he said, no one was talking about my quote when they almost beat the Cowboys at Gardner Minshew. And then, yeah, they had a bad game. They're clearly better with Jalen Hurts as quarterback, but now everyone's using that quote against me. It's, it's prime audio, and you can read the story at outkick.com. Keep in mind, uh, Packers win. They're in. They'll be the seventh seed, not Seattle. Uh, Seattle needs Green Bay to lose. Uh, coming up, also quotes that, well, Chris Sims is saying he's not taking it back, but he also is saying you were ripping me for at, at the time. We can play this audio that we're going to have when we come back. Okay. There's no curse words in it, the, thankfully. The, uh, when we come back, though, there's someone who's not taking back a quote 
and uh, his host, at least seemingly, is extremely upset about it. That's next on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Outkick 360 rolls on. We went through the tweet from Skip Bayless yesterday that he sent out. Monday night during the uh, medical attention given to DeMar Hamlin, the Bill's safety who suffered the cardiac arrest in the middle of the first quarter. And, well, Shannon Sharp from Undisputed, they, you know, they've been doing the show, what, two and a half, three years now? Longer than that. Is 2016. I was surprised. What? I've been doing this for six years, almost seven. The show started in 2016, yeah. Wow. It, it, feel, it does not feel that long. Um, they, they, for the most part, get along, right? Like they, they, this is a show that is set up to be confrontational and set up to, in many ways, it's scripted. You're going to take this side. You're going to take this side. Have at it. Um, well, you have at it here. We will play and listen to it where you can make the uh, determination for yourself whether or not you think this is real or fake based on Shannon Sharp returning to the set after missing yesterday's show. And this is how the show begins. Good to see you, Shannon. I understand. Is something you want to share this morning? Good morning, yes. Good morning. Uh, there's been a lot of speculation of why I wasn't on air yesterday, and I won't get into speculation or conjecture or innuendo, but I will say this. In watching that game on Monday night, uh, what happened to DeMar Hamlin struck me a little different. Um, as a brotherhood in the NFL, when injuries happen, when we know injuries are a part of the game, I've seen guys suffer ACLs and Achilles tear, but I've never seen anybody have to be revived and fight for their life on the field. So it struck me a little differently because I remember seeing my brother paralyzed on the field temporarily, and he was able to regain focus. Um, Skip tweeted something, and although I disagree with the tweet, uh, and, and uh, hopefully uh, Skip would take it down, but I didn't want it. Well, yes. time out, time out. I'm not going to take it down because okay. I stand by okay. what I tweeted. Skip, let me okay. finish. Let me. All right, okay. Go ahead. No, you go. Go ahead, let's go, Jen. Okay. I mean, I cannot even get through a monologue without you interrupting okay. me. Well, you could have came back. Skip, well, I thought, Skip, just let me. I, I didn't I, know I, you were going to bring no, up No, this. I was just going to say, Skip, I didn't want to yesterday to get into a situation where DeMar Hamlin was the issue. We should have been talking about him and not get into, okay. your, not get into your, uh, uh, your tweet. That's what I was going to do. But you can't even let me finish my opening monologue without you interrupting. Okay. I was under the impression you weren't going to bring this up because nobody here had a problem with no, that tweet. No. Clearly, the bosses wanted you to offer explanations, so clearly somebody No, they had a did not have. The, nobody. Let's go, Jen. Thoughts and prayers remain with DeMar Hamlin. That's gentlemen. where the focus Certainly should have been, and continues. not on the football game. Yes, let's go, Jen. Thank you. So, that from Undisputed uh, earlier today. Yeah, uh, between Shannon Sharp and, and Poor Skip Jen. Bayless. So, Chad, when you saw Thoughts that. Thoughts and prayers, guys. When you saw that, what'd you think? Thoughts and prayers. Um, I thought a lot of things. So first, I believe it's real, that interaction there that we just yeah. saw to start the show. I, I, there's a lot of people asking, is, is, it, is it a work? 
Is it because you're right? It's a show that's built on you know people hating each other, just uh, you know shouting back yeah, and forth, and yeah, it's, arguments. It's contrived at times, phony outrage about sports issues to argue with each other. We know the formula. It clearly works because Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp make a ton of money mm-hmm. doing what they do, and Skip Bayless is a paid contrarian. That's what he does. He doesn't follow anyone on social media. He wants to put out his opinions and get you angry about it, so you'll tune into his show, and that's what he's always done. I don't think there's a lot of – there's. I'm sure some very genuine opinions with him. I don't think all of them are overly genuine. Um, but I watch that, and I think it's real. I also think that Skip Bayless is lying when he says no one there had a problem with it because on the previous day's show, he admitted he only sent the follow-up tweet – because an hour after he sent it, one of his bosses said, you need to clarify what you meant with the tweet because it's getting a huge reaction. And that's why he sent the follow-up tweet. So for him to say, well, none, none of, no one here had a problem with it, I think he's just not really telling the truth when that's his response to Shannon Sharp. So it's well, real, though. He said no one had a problem to the point where he, he's saying he wasn't told to address it on the show yesterday, which is why Shannon Sharp missed, right? Yeah, and here's the other thing I think about it. Uh, you show up and do your job. Yeah, I, I, agree. I don't. I don't know. You know, I agree with that. Shannon Sharp opening by saying, "I missed yesterday's show." There's a lot of opinion and conjecture on why I missed. I'm not going to get into that. What? <laughs> oh, it's, it's what? I mean, I'm I'm sorry, but everyone who watched that. I mean, if you are Demar Hamlin's family member, then you're not going to work for a while. You're going to be there, but. Everyone else like us that works in sports media has to talk about the tough stories. I didn't enjoy watching the guy down on the field with no heartbeat like everyone else didn't. Well, you know what we did? What did we do, Hutton? We came in and did the show we and discussed came in it. And did the, I mean, I just don't buy that as an excuse of, even if he comes back and says, I was, I was bothered by it, so I didn't. No, I think what he's trying to get to is, I didn't want the show to be about Skip. In his tweet, right. so I decided to not come in and do the show. Um, I wish he just would have said that instead of saying, instead of getting into opinion and conjecture. I'll tell you exactly why I wasn't here. I wasn't going to take part in a charade about his tweet because I disagree with it. Say that and get it out of the way to start the show, and then have a discussion about what Skip meant with the t- the tweet and everything else. But for the debate of real or fake, Hutton, I think this was very much yeah, real. Yeah, I do too. Uh, I think, it, and you typically go with the it's staged with a lot well, of things, that, that but show, not with us. That show is, but I, I don't think that was staged at all. Uh, given uh, his reaction to Skip jumping in the middle of his his opening monologue there, um, but yeah, I mean, my guess is three segments later they had a very scripted segment. Yeah, they where eventually one, where they, one side was taken, the other it's not genuine. They got uh, right back to doing what they do yeah. on the show, and, and I'll I'll also say, I mean. Just etiquette of hosting a show, and we've done this for many years now. If someone comes in with something they really want to say, and they start the show with, is it Jen is the woman's name who yes, is leading them? Yes. Which I also think it's, is she in the same studio or is she Clearly on not. Zoom? Clearly not. Yeah, the delay was weird when she comes back with the thoughts and prayers after they have that little skirmish. But anyway, it's not her fault. Um, if you open the, the show by saying, hey, Shannon, I know there's something you want to say, and he addresses the camera and has a monologue ready, in no way should any broadcaster or any part of a show 
jump in on that to disagree with something as they're talking about well, I don't, it. I don't think Skip and not knew, giving them a chance to com- continue to explain. Well, I don't think he would have jumped in had he not mentioned Skip's tweet and that he hopes he takes it down. He's like, no, I'm not taking it down. Yeah, well, and no one here wants me to take it down either. Yeah, my point is he could have waited till he was done with his sure. thought because he was char- starting to say something else. He said, even though I wanted him to take it down, he was going to complete his thought, and Skip jumped the gun and jumped in. Look, it led to uh, compelling television. Yes. For FS1. I mean, everyone is talking about that clip today and tweeting out that link. I'm sure we've got a story up at Outkick.com about it also. I think it's very much real. Um, I don't think it's uh, particularly professional of Shannon Sharp or Skip Bayless in this situation. For Shannon Sharp to no-show on his own show because he didn't like something someone tweeted and didn't want to talk about it is unprofessional. And for Skip Bayless to say one day that his boss told him to clarify with another tweet and then come back the next day and say, oh, no one here had a problem with it, I think also is pretty unprofessional. But what do I know? I don't make nearly as much as those guys. Coming up, Armando Salguero is going to join us uh, at a matter of minutes to discuss what the NFL just said about their their options with the Bengals and Bills and uh, how we move forward now with Week 18. But what could happen and what's likely with all of this? That will be coming up. Plus, we'll hit the other headlines of the day and – a sentiment from one college coach about where we're headed with football and everything devoted to football versus off-the-field issues. That's next on Outkick 360.